0: Hey, OT geniuses, my name is Jessica Lopez Hermantin, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius, and you're listening to Pre-OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre-OTs, current OT professionals and students, To learn how they got in and what their experiences were like and so we're here to inspire motivate and encourage you throughout your ot journey and show you how you can be a successful ot school applicant and become the ot that you want to be now on to the show What's up, OT geniuses? Welcome to another Pre-OT Secrets episode. Uh, So we are in the middle of a niche type of series. We are trying to show pre-OTs and students what exactly can they do with an occupational therapy degree. And today we have a very, very, very special guest, Cheryl Crow and I am going to allow her to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself and what she does and her Instagram page and her podcast, all of that. So you guys can see how awesome she is because I'm sure I cannot even do it justice. So Cheryl, tell us a little bit about what you do, who you work with, and just a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So hi, Uh, I am from the Seattle area. I studied psychology as my undergrad. I graduated from Vassar college in 2004 in New York. And then I I worked in a series of like nonprofits and non OT related jobs for six years before getting my master's in occupational therapy from Samuel Merritt university in Oakland, California in 2012. Yes. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And then the last 10 years I have <laughs> gone from working in traditional pediatric developmental disability settings, like an outpatient PEDS clinic, and then um, school-based practice, which I really loved, but I, for reasons I'll elaborate on later, I totally pivoted towards serving people with arthritis, primarily young to middle-aged people with um, inflammatory forms of arthritis or autoimmune forms of arthritis systemic diseases that don't just involve joint pain, mainly because I just saw a huge gap in services for that population. So Mm. now I do a lot of creative applications of my OT skill set. So I do content creator and I get paid to do it for other nonprofits related to arthritis for TikTok and Instagram Reels and all that. And I also do articles for freelance articles and I have my own patient education company called Arthritis Life where I have online courses and online support groups. And my podcast, our cool. life podcast. For me, Cheryl, you are goals. Goals. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have I'm a lot of ideas. Too. I'm an ideas person, and then I execute <laughs> some of them, but not all of them. <laughs> hey, one thing at a time, right? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so what drew you to occupational therapy yeah. or what was your why, uh, yeah. so to speak? Why, why O T.
1: So I really wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a special education teacher. I grew up in the eighties and nineties with a cousin, my same age with autism. And back then the services were very different. He was just taken out, taken to the special ed room, not integrated. You know, we just were like, what is going on there? But I was just very fascinated by that field. But um, after my psychology degree, I worked briefly in a school for children with exclusively a private school for children with developmental and behavioral challenges. And I got very overwhelmed by the classroom management part. And I think I know myself really well now. I know I just turned 40 last year. And I basically, I think I had, I was on the right track that I am much, I do well with one-on-one or I can, I can facilitate groups really well, but not groups with people who have severe behavior issues. I just don't, I (laughs) found it very difficult. I don't have that kind of, I, I joke, like I used to play soccer and I was, um, my coach would tell me sometimes use, use your dad voice, like not the mom voice, like, la, la, la. like, I'm just like a nice, happy person. <laughs> and so he'd be like, use your dad voice. I'd be like, okay, get over here. You know, I just, it was hard. Oh my so God. So sure. Yeah. So I ended up going from that special needs environment to actually a different pediatric based nonprofit. And that's a whole other story. But then six years after working for nonprofits, I circled back to, you know, does when I was like, wait, how does this relate to, you know, occupational therapy? Well, I really, when I worked at the private school for kids with developmental disabilities, I'd actually volunteered for years at a similar school when I was young, like teenager. And I noticed there's this thing, OT, and the kids loved going to OT. And there was one kid who yeah. had Tourette's and one of his tics was OT Sarah, OT Sarah, OT Sarah. Like he loved Sarah and he wanted to go to OT. And I just remember in the back of my head, like these people get to do these swings and like, what are they doing? And they get to work one-on-one with the kids. This seems really cool, yeah. but I never really pursued it. And then I had a friend, I'm a swing dancer as well. And I had a really good friend who unfortunately got in a terrible bicycle accident and he had a brain injury, really severe brain injury. And he went through, through rehabilitation. And the example I always give is that the PT taught him to walk again and the OT taught him to dance again. And I was like, oh, there's this field where you can work in like schools, which I've always been drawn to in pediatrics, or you can work in healthcare. And because I had also been, I have got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 2003. And so I'd had a lot of ups and downs with my own journey mm. of managing rheumatoid arthritis. And I was like, so I'm kind of fascinated by healthcare and fascinated by education settings. And so OT, I looked at speech, I looked at PT, I looked at school counseling. Mm. And so I looked at all similar fields, you know, psycho- becoming a psychologist and I ultimately decided on OT. That so I think, it was, cool. I think it was the fact that we have our, our feet planted in both the mental health and the physical disabilities. And I also, because I have, a progressive inflammatory joint condition. PT didn't seem like the right fit for me because it didn't have as many non-physical options, right? For OT, you can work in inpatient psych. you can work in some of the pediatric settings are not as physically invasive or not invasive, but physically, you know, demanding and speech, to be honest, I really loved SLP and like communication, but it required a full-time prerequisite thing where you had to like take, mm-hmm. I what's called a post back, I think a full time one whole year before you can even apply to SLP school. And I was like, nah, I'm too impatient for that. I want to get going.
0: <laughs> no, I hear you. And you're right, you pinpointed something that is very unique to our profession that I love. And that's just kind of the physical rehabilitation aspect of things and how that can intertwine with mental health. And when you're dealing with things such as a uh, chronic illness or an autoimmune disease, that it does also affect you mentally speaking as well. There's a mental health component. Oh, it can lead to things such as anxiety and just certain thoughts that really can be very pervasive and can not lead us to be a living life to our fullest, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So with that said, because you said that you were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at a young age. So did you, when you were in OT school, you already had that diagnosis?
1: Yeah, I had actually had it for 6 years, but I had never been referred to occupational therapy and I wow. had no idea. Yeah, and I had a lot of struggles that That's would wild. have warranted a, a referral. I actually asked my um rheumatologist and she is wonderful, but I asked her like in 2007, so 4 years after my diagnosis, I actually <laughs> injured my thumb swing dancing. So my disease was really in a good state. Actually, I was I was in what's called medicated remission where I didn't have any symptoms but I had to take these serious medications be there, but, and I hurt my thumb. So it was just one joint. And so I said, you know, it's really hard for me to turn the key in my car. That's one of the difficulties and I'm having, and I said, isn't there some sort of gadget or something? Like, do you know about that? And that would have been the perfect segue for her to be like, let's refer you to an occupational therapist or certified hand therapist that could help you get your, right. you know, back on track and give you those adaptations. But what she said was, and I was maybe 20, yeah, I was 24, 25. She says, oh you're young. We don't want you to have to use those gadgets. If your thumb is hurting, even though she knew I had injured it, <laughs> it, it like wow. change your meds. I know. And there is a, that's very, it's a very complicated thing. Managing these autoimmune diseases. Typically, if you do have joint symptoms, you do need to get on top of it medically, mm-hmm. like medicinally. But in this case, it, I had injured it. It would have been perfect to get some OT. So I had no idea. I'm telling you, I was like, I'm going to OT school to work with kids with but what was called special mm-hmm. needs then I know that's like a term some people really don't like you know kids with developmental disabilities neurodiversity just different mm-hmm. different ways of seeing the world and functioning in the world and that was my passion and so I was flabbergasted when I learned all these ways to improve my quality of life as an through OT I was like why and everyone that I was interacting with in, in my volunteer work for the Arthritis Foundation and stuff they all were asking the same kind of questions that OTs yeah. answer you know how do I um open my jar of milk or like the fun- daily activities and no one's referring to OT. So it's a huge problem. So wow. like soapbox. Yeah. Soapbox. Is- wow. 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 Okay, so, yeah. so what were some of the, could you talk a little
0: bit about the challenges that you had as yeah. a student or in your OT school journey? I, in, I mean, given the diagnosis or maybe anything that was just going on, what were some of those challenges that you experienced?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I definitely had some health challenges in OT school. And it's a lot of the again, the the logistics of being a healthcare patient. So my medication from 2010 to 2012, for just for example, I had to get it in a four hour long infusion once a week. Well, the infusion clinic is only open from like nine to five. And I had classes all day every day. So That's just an example of like this system that don't, that aren't helpful for people with chronic illness. I had one time where I had to, this is before people would do a lot of like virtual meetings and stuff like that. But I was like, I had to join on the phone, a, a group project meeting from getting my, my medication infusion, because that was the only time we could all find to go together. Um, I also, I did have a big flare up of, um, of my rheumatoid arthritis and my anxiety the first year of OT school, honestly, this is a whole other d- thing, but I don't know exactly why. I think it was partly though, to do, I really didn't, I was not mentally prepared for the cadaver lab. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy. I didn't even know my school had one, to be honest. Like it just wasn't a factor for me. And that's I, really cool. Yeah. I didn't it, get the opportunity to have a cadaver. No, but lab like, one. I wanted to throw up. Like I, <laughs> they didn't care us at all. Like I would say, and they had this wonderful teacher who's like just very old school and was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go in here." And like it wasn't like, "Okay, you might have like emotional responses or whatever." So once I right. to the cadaver lab, I felt claustrophobic. Like, and I—that's one of my mental health challenges—is that I do get claustrophobic really easily. And you know, on, I had also gotten trapped in a friend's bathroom. Like the door, the key. The lock mechanism failed. And so I was locked in her bathroom. Okay. So I had a little bit of a claustrophobia. That's probably really it. The two things together, the claustrophobia panic attack, and then feeling claustrophobic in the cadaver oh. lab. And so I learned a ton. Like once I kind of overcame that a little bit, I went to therapy and that was helpful. But you know, really all my challenges, you know, in OT school, I'm like a big nerd. I was very organized. I didn't find school. and a lot of people <laughs> complain about school. Oh, OT school is so hard and everything. I worked my butt off, but like I didn't, I wouldn't say like, you know, it was too difficult for me or anything, except for kinesiology. That was really hard. I got the worst grade I've ever gotten in my life in kinesiology, but my challenges in OT school and in my work life have all the most challenging thing has been managing my health issues and the ups and downs because chronic inflammatory condition, like rheumatoid arthritis, again, an autoimmune disease, more similar to lupus than osteoarthritis. It's hard to plan your life because you don't know when your next flare up is going to come. So I might commit to working in the schools three days a week. And then suddenly my health gets worse. I'd also gotten a car accident in 2016. And then I also had a palinatal cyst out of nowhere, which is a tailbone cyst. I had to have surgery. I had delayed wound healing. I was going to the wound clinic. And then I also got a terrible stomach virus. That that year was just awful. I should have stopped working. Oh, wow. That was something. I am my own worst enemy. Look, I think that I'm like too optimistic sometimes. So I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to handle this. I'm persevering. Like, I'm going to, you know, yeah. and then yeah. I hit rock bottom, like in 2017, I had to take a medical leave absence from my school job. So school-based OT job, it was just too much. The three acute health issues, the car accident, the the tailbone cyst removal and delayed wound healing, and then the stomach virus layered on top of my chronic illness. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I would say that maybe the biggest challenge is not accepting my own limits and not kind of planning ahead. Like one of the best pieces of advice I've, I heard from just another patient was like, plan your life for like 75% of what you think you're going to be able to do. So if I, if I, there's mm-hmm. like a, and I'm not a 75% person, I'm a 110 person. I want to do everything. <laughs> you know, I want to live my life to the fullest. That's the whole point about, OG. Yeah. but it's much, I find now um, I have an eight-year-old son and I find that, yeah, I have to layer in rest. So don't, don't plan for your health to be a hundred percent plan for your health to be And that way I have some padding in case things get worse. And if things are better than expected, then I have extra bonus time. But if they're worse, then I have that cushion.
0: Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think that, yes, I think it's great to put in all this hard work. If you feel like you could push through something like to a certain degree, like there's nothing wrong with that but it's also number one recognizing our limits and also the you know, the potential dangers with not recognizing where you are as a student in terms of your mental health or physical health because it could you possibly could take you could be taking on more than what you can chew 100%. and, and it, a lot of that comes to from the grind culture And I listen, like, I get it. I believe in hard work and hard work ethic. But sometimes one of the best things that you can do is just rest, take a step back, take a leave. I don't. think that you're a priority for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you have to make yourself a priority because nobody else will.
1: And I think if you have a chronic illness, you need to, it's really helpful to confront how ableist it is to say, oh, I just need to push through. Oh, mind over matter. Yeah. And there's a lot of ableism within like toxic positivity of like, yeah, you can do anything you put your mind to. No, you mm-hmm. can't. Like we have to start with being realistic and saying like, there are limits and we can still live our life to the fullest within those limits, but we don't want to be yes. delusional, you know, like the line yeah. between optimistic and delusional is very thin. Sometimes I know because I've lived it. And yeah. so, yeah. So I think therapy, it has helped me a lot. The psychology, psychological therapy has really helped me accept my limits and you know, this is the only life I get. Like, I don't, I'm not religious. Like, I don't think there's any afterlife. So I'm like, this is it. I'm 40 I'm midway through my life, probably if I'm lucky. So I could spend the rest of my life, like trying to like being sad about whatever I've gone through, but I could also say like, or the limitations I have, I could say, this is what it is. And what can I do in this framework of my limitation?
0: Very, very cool. Well, guys, so I know that you guys more than likely, and I'm sure you do (laughs) want to hear more from Cheryl. So we are going to do a part two. And so please keep an eye out for that second part. So we're going to be wrapping this up right now. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. But Cheryl, before we leave, do you have any closing statements or anything that you want to share with our audience or listeners?
1: the only thing is I just mentioned ableism and it's really a passion of mine to help people understand, especially healthcare providers to understand, you know, ableism is discrimination against people with, with disabilities in the same way that like racism is discrimination against people based on their you know, race or ethnicity or cultural backgrounds. So if you haven't learned about that, you haven't heard of it before, I really encourage you to, to learn about that because, mm. um, it might inform the way that you interact with people with disabilities in the future. It should.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're wanting to get into occupational therapy school. So, yes, uh, yes. yeah, it's, it's definitely a must look into if you're not too familiar with that lingo or what does it, uh, ableism look like? So, um, very good, very good point. I appreciate that. So, um, all righty, then I will see you then in the next one. I just want to thank you for being on and I am really excited to be interviewing you again. So I'll see you in the next one. Thank you
1: so much. Bye-bye for now.
0: Bye-bye for now. <laughs> <laughs> so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen we hope this has been valuable and will get you one step closer to being the occupational therapist you want to be you can check out all of our resources and social media platforms on otgenius.com the website again is otgenius.com If you wish to connect with us, you can do so by booking a consultative call on the website or even find us on Instagram. The handle is at ot.genius and you can there join our monthly newsletter and stay up to date on all the things we are doing to help you succeed. We hope that you have a great day and thank you again for listening.